Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's dark. The middle of the night. Wait, did you hear that? Was that the, was that the sliding door to the back of your house? Was that a creak in the floorboard? Did the dog just bark or was that a dream? You're alone in your home. But are you? 
That's right. It's our home invasion series here on Sitting in the Dark. I'm Pete Wright. I'm here with Ray Delancey and Tommy Metz the third. Hello, gents. Hello. I'm frightened. Oh, you guys, this was a horrible mistake. <laughs> it it so, might have been. Yeah. So explain to the avid listeners, this was your idea and you facing what? Well, yeah, this was exposure therapy, straight up exposure therapy. So what we ended up uh, doing, and when we brought, this was the first idea that I had for what I wanted to bring to the table for for Sitting in the Dark. And, um, it, you know, it, it was met with, I think it was, you guys, obviously, you're here. It was met with like, okay, we'll watch those movies. Um, Kyle, obviously, uh, he hated home invasion movies worse than me. And so he's not here. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he decided not to play this particular series. But I thought, OK, I'm going to do some exposure therapy because I know I hate horror invasion horror. I hate all of it. I've always hated it for all the reasons we're going to be talking about. And we're going to jump okay. into the tools and tropes and all of those things. But I thought challenging myself as a new horror fan to dive in and sort of test those waters with gusto would be a good idea for this particular show. So I have limited experience. We were talking in the member pre-show that I, the last time I watched your next in 2013, we did it for the film board and I hated it. And, uh, and I watched it again as part of the series and I liked it much, much more. I, I, especially after watching some, you know, varying degrees of quality home invasion films on yeah. this particular list. So I, I'll tell you this in terms of my opening statement, I was really surprised at just how broad the range of subgenres that fall under home invasion the sort of home invasion umbrella really are like we've got home invasion thrillers and invasion of privacy horror and stalking horror and break in gone wrong horror and family horror and home alone fever dream horror. It's like, it's a crazy, <laughs> crazy list. Um, but for me, if the films explore things like fear of being violated in one's own space, like that tension between safety and vulnerability, it's it, where like the idea that, that your home itself is a source of danger that was kind of fair game for the list. So I, I did want to, uh, I'll review, just do a quick rundown of all the movies on the list, if you don't mind, and then we'll talk a little bit about the rules. All right, please. All right. Um, so I, I'm just going to read the, the films and we'll talk about them, I think, sporadically as we go through this list. We started with, uh, I just added this one this morning because I realized this is technically the first home invasion uh, film, The Lonely Villa from director D.W. Griffith. Went on to the original Last House on the Left, uh, when, when a Stranger Calls, uh, Funny Games, the original Michael Haneke. Uh, I threw in Hostage, the Bruce Willis movie. It's a little bit of an inversion. Uh, them, two French films, then, Them and Inside. Um, and then the remake of Funny Games. Yeah, I watched that. That was <laughs> regrettable for like reasons that aren't appropriate for a horror podcast at all. Uh, the remake Naomi Watts redo yeah, yeah. line of oh, films. My yeah. God, uh, the Last House on the Left uh, remake, uh, which was an improvement over the original. Uh, the Collector uh, kidnapped. Your next inside the remake and Hush, uh, early Flanagan. Wow! Um, wow! I made it through a hundred percent of those movies. And I think I did it since last Thursday. So like I had a whole month wow. to prepare and I used it poorly. <laughs> so <laughs> I spent the weekend watching these horror movies back to back to back to back to back. And I feel like I have the bends. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
So uh, as we get into, uh, and, and we'll note, like of the 15 films, we have three pairs of movies and their remakes. Yeah. So I feel like I, I learned a lot from, from that experience too. So tell me, uh, you guys, what was your experience with these? Could you t- talk about your participation in the actual watch list, movies you'd seen, things you learned? What, what do you, what do you got? Ray, kick us off. All right. So I had seen a couple of these, uh, b- before you decided to do this. And in total at this point, I have seen nine of the 15. Um, And you introduced some phobias to me that I didn't know I had. And now they are uh, way more dominant than they were last week. So thank you for that. That is amazing. Which which films introduced those phobias? Can you highlight some of them? Well, first of all, I watched Funny Games and I knew nothing about this movie. Not the Naomi Watts one. No, the original, okay. right. the German one. Yep. And I, I'm watching this and I'm thinking to myself, "You, this is why nobody trusts anybody anymore. Yeah. This is why nobody says hello when you go to the grocery store because people see <laughs> movies like this and they're like every person who could ever come in contact with you is garbage and wants to just play funny games with you. Yeah, they want your eggs. Grab those eggs quick and get to the produce. That's the lesson. <laughs> you have four more. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's that's awful. Uh, Tom, what you, uh, where, how'd you do? I have seen most of them at some point, neither of the French films. Um, I was interested in taking part of this because this has n- never been a phobia of mine. And I want to ask, like, the idea of home invasion. I don't really believe that someone's going to break into my apartment. I have a bat. (laughs) Like a baseball (laughs) bat. Sorry, not like an animal. (laughs) That's sort of, like, vaguely by my bed. But I did that a long time ago, and I even forget that it's there. I wonder if one of the reasons that I've never really had this feeling is because I don't own a house and I don't have a family. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that is involved. It just doesn't seem like it's just never been on my list of worries. And so I wanted to put myself in the worry zone through yeah. as many of these movies again as I could to see what it sort of struck. And did anything trigger anything of note? Yeah, no, I it was the movie Kidnapped. Yeah. I guess I think I think what I learned is I want home invasion movies to be like what horror movies are supposed to be. It's a run through. Mm -hmm. It's a safe. It's a roller coaster about something that you're afraid of. Mm -hmm. But movies like Kidnapped are so nihilistic that it's like I I want movies to be like the movie Breakdown. Where Kurt Russell, it's not necessarily a horror movie, Kurt Russell and J.T. Walsh, where you go through this thing and it ends up sort of being like competency porn Mm -hmm. which is a new phrase that i've heard of like just really figuring out how to do things on the fly no one does anything wrong in kidnapped and they're all horribly horribly uh punished for nothing Mm -hmm. and i just don't i don't understand i don't know it crossed some sort of a line for me that i didn't know exactly know was there it was like i kind of wish i hadn't watched that movie 
Is that helpful at all? I'm sorry. Fascinating. I, it, it is helpful, and it's super interesting to me. Before we get into our sort of uh, analysis of that, because I, I want to pick that apart, particularly in light of a comparison to Funny Games, which I, I think they, they, they pair nicely in terms of this discussion of nihilism in these movies. Right. Um, I, I want to set uh, the rules that, uh, for you know, what landed on this list that uh, that I went into my head going into to this list and, and see if I missed anything. So one, the central action needs to be contained to a personal space or residence, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be your, it's home invasion. They should be invading right. your personal space. Yeah. Uh, the antagonists must be human, right? These are not monster movies, right? So, no. right. okay. No zombies, no vampires. Fair. Uh, and I just threw in, there should probably be some sort of siege, right? And that's, in, in order to fit the rule, there's got to be some sort of, um, it, it can't be a, just a, the home invasion can't be a plot element. It has to be substantive in the film. So we have to have somebody, it usually it involves, in, since it's a horror movie, some sort of torture or kidnapping mm. or some sort of restraint, fight back, restraint, fight back, that kind of a thing, Right. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Okay. Am I missing anything else? It's different across the different movies, but one of the things that I found, especially in Funny Games and The Strangers, is, and maybe it's in other ones and I didn't notice as much, it breaks rules. Like Funny Games breaks rules throughout the movie. Right. Uh, they're look. They're breaking the fourth wall. They're asking the audience what their opinion is. All of this stuff. And I like the idea of that because it's like the biggest rule to break is that your fortress is your castle. Yeah. So to invade your own space is like the biggest rule breaking that you can have like in society. And I like that some of the movies play with that. The reason that I brought up the strangers in that same thing, and I guess you can say the collector too, is we have a God's eye POV. It breaks the rule of point of view in that we see so many things that the only two characters that we have, uh, the the almost husband and wife, mm-hmm. don't see what we see. There's people like showing up inside their house and then escaping into the shadows. And that doesn't belong to anyone. Usually movies that just take place in one thing, there's always like a very strong point of view but we're allowed to see what no one else is. And I think that's just an interesting way of breaking the rules of cinema. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. I, you know, I started to think about kidnapped in that same light, but really we don't get anything uh, that isn't, that, that is telegraphed by way of giving us something that the, that our audience or that our protagonists don't see even the initial no. break in when they break the glass, it's not done by way of a shadowy figure. It's a sudden impact. We don't see it coming. And right. it's not like somebody's been watching through the windows, even though you're set up to believe they are. Um, right. They're not there. It's it's very, very creepy. The other thing I would just like to add and in, in terms of these films is, for me, Kidnapped was peak filmmaking, right? Like, there were there were a lot of movies in here that I enjoyed, but in terms of the most interesting movie to watch, mm-hmm. Kidnapped is far and away the most competent of of films on this list it is yeah. an 84 minute film told in 12 total shots 
And so that driving camera, being able to tell that whole story, sometimes dropping yeah. into split screen, was deeply unnerving in creative filmmaking. I can't, like, that's one, mm. if you're into this genre, I cannot recommend that one highly enough. All, you know, I... I <laughs> apart from its apart upsetting from nature, its upsetting nature, to the one guy it. who is just completely unflappable on this is Tom right. about horror movies. Uh, it is a really compelling film because okay. there's no escape. There's no escape. I mean, that's that's yeah. another great way to make that sort of feeling yeah. of you're trapped in the movie, right? Because the movie doesn't like go to. There's no breath of like an establishing shot a yeah. going outside or anything like that. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and the other thing is, I mean, it really, it gets to this first sort of cultural appeal of these movies, like the universality of the experience. It's a big one for me that the reliability of our setting of our home is tested, right? Like right. it is tested mm -hmm. and so relatable to all of us. We all live someplace, right? We all live someplace. And <laughs> these movies test that in a way that that I think is is uh, really fascinating. When a stranger calls movie based on a campfire story, <laughs> right? Like right. that one, I I thought was really interesting first, because we have, uh, you know, a very young Carol Kane. Um, it tells the whole story over the course of about, I don't know what the first 15 minutes <laughs> right? It gives you the whole ghost story. Yep. And then it slows down to. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a paralyzingly so slow experience. And then it speeds up at the very end again. I don't know yeah. you guys, where'd you guys stand on, on that one? I think that one, for me, is compelling because it tests that permeability of the home. The killer was there the whole time. The call is coming from inside the house. This was one that I didn't see. Okay. Oh. I, I apologize. I, uh, I, but, but to your point, uh, I did check it out on letterboxd whenever i was looking at the list and i thought it was funny because a lot of the reviews are almost exactly the same and there there was one in particular that said uh, it's like the first 20 and the last 10 minutes are a horror movie and there's just a random episode of law and order in the middle <laughs> that is exactly it that nails that's it. so much what it is so true re-watching the movie because i saw this young this was a big sort of formidable movie because we'd all heard of that urban legend and so when it was a film and then re-watching it after all these years she opens the door and there's that awkward sort of like zoom in to the guys to the cop's face and stuff like this and she screams and i'm like oh right this is a feature film i had no memory of anything that happened after that i think i've just watched the first 20 minutes like 19 times growing up and i was like here's an hour left and then i was like oh i now i know why i don't remember it nothing happened this is a fast forward i mean yeah it's a it's a short film uh pushed to a feature film link and it does not warrant it same with When a Stranger Calls Back, the sequel that I believe, I think I said this before, I believe Tom Hanks is in it. Um, 
the beginning has a really, really great effective jump scare. And then the movie just goes to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) That is, it's so puzzling to me because there, there seems like such ripe opportunity. It's like they just ran, they, 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 they ran out of gas so soon that they had to go ahead and pull the rug that the, that the call was inside the house when it just felt like there was such a fertile ground for terror um, oh, for yeah. leaving it there, yeah. keeping her in the house for yes, longer, keeping yeah. her in the house for the duration of the movie. And I, I, I bring up uh, the movie them, recognizing you guys didn't see it. It's a, um, it's a story of a French couple living in Bucharest, and they they ended up, you know, getting a deal on this grand old house. It's essentially money pit. So they end up with this old house that they're mm-hmm. going to need to fix up, but they live in kind of a small space of it, and um, the they begin being terrorized by these figures out outside and around their house. It's not a gory film at all, but it's extremely intense and its use of sound is impeccable. Uh, Mm. And eventually they, you know, we, we get the reveal that, you know, there are uh, that when I should back up and say, this is another one of those things that they lean on. This was supposedly based on a true story. Uh, that these two young people were killed by a group of children in the sewers in, in Romania and and their bodies were found. And it turns out this was the, how they, they sort of imagined the terror of their last day, uh, you know, happened. And the last scene of this movie is, is the cameras on the ground and these kids are skipping by and they go get on a bus and they, they go away. Um, and when interviewed, mm. the kids said, yeah, they wouldn't play with us. And so they tormented and killed these people. Um, it it, it wow. is. It, but it's one of those that the whole movie stays in this location. It stays there. And it's terrifying as a result of it. And here's mm. this movie when a stranger calls. It's based on something like that. Arguably one of the, the scariest implementations of home invasion that you're being taunted from inside your own house and they blow it in 15 minutes. That is like <laughs> unconscionable to me on watching that. Film. Well, I. I did a teeny bit of research and the director had originally made a short film called the sitter mm-hmm. just of that. And the film's reception, I guess was so strong that they gave him enough time to make a feature. And he went, oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point that i never occurred to me that that could be stretched out because it is nearly perfect. Yeah, it really is. As it is. Yeah. 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 And we never see the children when she never goes and checks on the children. She's a terrible babysitter. Yeah. She's very bad. At <laughs> very, things. very bad at that job. Glad she at one point he actor. changes and is like, why haven't you checked <laughs> yes, the children? Like, he legit gets annoyed. We, like, we're all you wondering have one thing to do. Check the damn children. <laughs> Yeah, that was problematic. Yeah. Um, speaking of this reliability, the setting, though, let's go into funny games a little bit, because uh, Michael Haneke made this and we'll talk about both the funnies, the, the funnies game. No, the funny games mm-hmm. m- yep. movies. <laughs> 1997, Michael Haneke and, and writer T.L. Bodine, I think, describes it this way. Um, Haneke provides a brutal but self-aware look at the genre of horror movies created primarily as a condemnation of violent media. The film nevertheless succeeds as an unironic addition to the home invasion canon from its vulnerable suffering family to the excruciating tension of its plot to the nihilistic, motive-free criminality of its villains. It may be actually the purest example of the home invasion movie. 
Now, mm. I've been reading up a bunch of reviews on Letterboxd, and the general consensus is Funny Games is a test, and you actually fail it if you get to the end. Uh. What do you, where do you, what's your general worldview on Funny Games? Ray, you watched Funny Games this time. This was new to you. Yeah. Uh, actually, Funny Games uh, was interesting in that it caused me to audibly cry out at the TV, which almost <laughs> never happens. <laughs> And it was whenever they do the, whenever, uh, Paul, the character of Paul does the rewind. Yeah. And he, he uh, the, the mother gets the jump on them with the rifle and shoots one of the invaders and he breaks the fourth wall and grabbing the TV remote and rewinding events and making it so that she can't do that. And that was whenever my brain broke. And I realized what this movie was doing in its speaking with the audience, breaking the fourth wall, trying to subvert audience expectations by completely annihilating everybody, not leaving any survivors and continuing on to the next house. Yeah, uh, for me, I remember the very first time I watched it, this maybe would have been in college when did this come out 97 yeah. oh um yeah so it would have been in college uh when they're playing hot and cold when they're searching for the dog mm -hmm. and he yeah, just straight yeah. up turns around and like winks at the audience yeah. and i was like oh yeah i mean because it does make force you to sort of be like why am i doing this yeah. <laughs> why why am i watching this it indicts the viewer very much so yeah, yeah. you're complicit um, you're complicit yeah uh which is which i felt in a different way, very much so with Kidnapped. I'm sorry to keep bringing up that movie, but... Well, and I yeah. think that's a, this, this is a fair enough time to do it. For me, Funny Games was, um, like, I, I was fascinated in this idea of how easily these two young men were able to make their way into this home in a completely nonviolent manner, where yeah. in Kidnapped, yeah. it was a brutal break-in. They, they shatter the glass, they go into the house, and they're, it's an act of violence. These two kids, they are, they're dressed in white like they're they are well i guess I, I actually now i don't remember what they're wearing in the original but they're they're dressed very plainly um, they were no, just playing golf and they're wearing yeah, like the, the white stuff. country club garb and they had their white gloves on and and uh right. but they are they're Short like an uh just sort of an they're an avatar for a, a kind of emotion right and and they make their way in on uh, about eggs and the transition from asking for eggs, dropping the eggs, asking more sternly for eggs to I'm hitting your husband with a golf club happens effortlessly in this movie and so quickly. And that to me was the, the most terrifying part because, you know, to Ray's comment earlier, this is why people should buy eggs quickly and get to the produce. People are terrible. That's what this movie is presenting. And if anyone at any time could pick up a golf club and hit you with it, that's what the movie presents. It's also weaponizing civility. Yeah. Right. One of the reasons that they're both able to go in, even when she is like, get out. Yeah. The husband is like, well, what's going on? Right. And she's like, trust me, get out. This is wrong. And I can't explain exactly why he's still trying to smooth things over. Yeah. So it is the, it is very much the saying hello to someone like Ray said at the grocery store, then they hit you with a golf club. Yeah. Yeah. And you're Crazy. like, why did you bring a golf club to Ralph's? Right. 
Right. It's, <laughs> it's, that would be a very poor place for golf. Um, but that was the that's the piece that I think is most interesting about about that. When you transition to kidnap, the thing about uh, about uh, funny games, part of its experiment is that it is unmotivated nihilism. These guys are right. only motivated by the violence and 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 doing so in a way that is so subversive that they can just go from house to house to house to neighbor to neighbor and not get caught. And that seems to be the same case with the strangers too. Yes. When that, they finally give up the answer, it's just because you were home. Because That's you were home. That's why we're doing this. Exactly. Yeah. Kidnapped is different. And I think this is why I prefer Kidnapped to Funny Games. Even though I love what, uh, I actually do love what Funny Games does uh i find the uh, even and i don't love funny games let me say that i don't love funny games but mm. i like the idea of what of the boundaries that it is pushing and particularly in you know mm. against this the the vulnerability of power dynamics right that that we have like you said weaponizing civility what kidnap does everyone in that movie is is motivated they're they're all motivated and the the kidnappers like the guys who break in are precisely motivated they're there right. to steal stuff and the the fact that part of the movie gets separated when one of the one of the villains takes the dad to the atm and has him take out a bunch of money and then wait until 1201 and take out a bunch more money that is a a fascinating look at sort of the motivation this is a story about about a motivated break-in that comes off the rails and i think that has greater sort of uh value to me as a viewer because I can kind of get behind everybody trying to do the thing that's going to be best for them in the end, whether it's the family trying to protect themselves, trying to escape, not being able to escape because one of their friends is being tortured. Like all of those things are motivated in a way that makes it a satisfying watch for me. Something that I noticed uh, in two of the movies, definitely The Strangers, and I'm checking my notes. I can't remember the other one. One of the first things that happens is uh, the male person tells the female put your shoes on <laughs> which is always such a horror movie trope of yeah. everyone's always barefoot all the time and you should immediately put your shoes on right. uh right away she doesn't live tyler ends up not being able to because she's interrupted but that is a sign of competency yeah right uh that you can sort of get behind yeah that that helps you sort of uh connect mm -hmm. with the people involved Right, Funny Games right. is just so cold of a movie. It's, it's hard to really. Very cold. Very, very cold. And and because we don't ever get a sense of what these kids, like of, of motivation for these kids, it's just an exercise in monstrosity. I, right. I you know, it's, it's value. It's long-term sort of cinematic value is as the experiment that it is. And it, right. you know, and what it says. I would, I would say the remake of Funny Games uh, is... Well, it's a shot-for-shot shot remake in English with different actors, yeah. and it's mm -hmm. uh, to me valueless. And I watched them back to back, so there was there were no surprises. You just uh, watched Funny Games twice. I did. I watched Funny <laughs> Games. Twice. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, the uh, the other one I think is is interesting in this uh, you, when you talk about sort of that vulnerability of power dynamic model is Hush. You both mm. you both got Hush. Have yes. You seen Hush? Mm -hmm. okay. Yes. So that's an interesting one, and it's another one like them or or like when a stranger calls that i feel i feel like gave away the the gambit too soon okay it's yeah. really interesting uh our protagonist is deaf a, a writer uh clearly a yeah. strong protagonist um and is tested when again a motivation free malevolence 
comes in the form of John Gallagher Jr. And he comes in a mask and he starts, you know, making waves and breaking in. And it is an exercise for him. My understanding of it is it's an exercise for him in just straight up power. Like what, what can I do? Because I, you know, just because I want to do it. Um, but then he takes off the mask. Like he's wearing this cool mask. Yeah, that was unexpected. And he takes it off at like 20 minutes into the movie. And from then on <laughs> out, like I didn't understand what the what the what they were going for. Uh, apart from the fact that the the protagonist was deaf, it just seemed like it hit a lot of familiar notes uh, for me. Uh, there wasn't really much that differentiated it from anything that I've seen before. I thought it was kind of forgettable to be honest. Uh, the, the only thing that, uh, like I said, really stuck out to me was the, the, the deaf protagonist, but then this came out in 2016, a couple of years later comes John Krasinski's movie, uh, which, uh, for some reason, the name is escaping me. At quiet the place, quiet place, quiet place. Thank you. Which I think does the deaf protagonist much better. Uh, so it, with that said, Hush was a movie that wasn't bad. But I just it, it didn't really do anything for me that wasn't done better in another movie of this subgenre. Mm-hmm. Tom, you're a Flanahan fan. I am a Flanahan. Um, I don't remember this movie very well, so I can't really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a Flanagan fan, but I don't really. Yeah, uh, this movie didn't stick with me. So what does that tell you? It, yeah, it tells a lot. And there, there are some things like when you you mentioned put your shoes on in the strangers. There is there are a number of those moments in this movie where she takes that sort of agency. Things like opening up her laptop and typing in as she's being chased, she finds a way to get into the house and get herself a few um, 30 seconds to type, you know, five, nine white male blue eyes, you know, and, and then close the laptop. So whoever opens, it'll see who, you know, who did what. So there's some things in there that are, that are interesting, that demonstrations of competence that I think show that subversion of the final girl trope that we were talking about last month, Mm -hmm. Tom, where we have this, you know, we've we've transitioned from the virginal innocence as the only survivor and that being the reason they survive to, oh, right. It turns out their their broad world experience is what allows them to survive. Same thing in your next. This is the thing that I finally got in your next, that mm. it was an invasion gone south because the final girl is actually a former survivalist and can yeah. kill stuff with a plum. It was, uh, <laughs> it, it, it turns out that was the most interesting thing. And the first time I watched it, I think I just plum missed it. Uh, the best part of that movie was the blender. Whenever she takes the blender to that. Guy. Oh God. What kind like the blending brain is <laughs> that turns to like that sort of creamy pus. That was, yeah. Yeah, you saw it. You know, you were there. I know, but I didn't. But no one says, hey, look at that creamy puss. <laughs> um, what do you guys think about some of these movies do it, some don't. Kidnapped, the one movie that apparently I need to keep talking about, does do it. It's the it's David Fincher's Panic Room idea where you, oh, Panic Room. Yeah. That could have been one. That could have been. Um, they make you sympathize. Or try to make you sympathize with one of the invaders. Okay. Do you yeah. like do you like that idea? Does that break it for you? Having not seen Kidnapped, I can't speak to that movie. But they do uh, it in, in Hostage. Co- do you remember Hostage? They do the same and thing. I didn't see Hostage, but uh the collector, they do it with uh not 
the the collector per se, but they do it with uh, the dude who breaks in to steal the jewelry, mm-hmm. right? And so, I mean, so maybe that not might not be the same thing. I do think there's something to that, like because part of the social commentary that everything is illusion is an illusion, like your safety is an illusion in these movies, is that. Like, just as you should not judge the permeability of your home, you should not judge the sort of mm. permeability of our, our malevolence in these movies. Mm. Like, these, okay. you, you don't know what their motivations are. And some of these movies right. explore the violence by way of unmotivated uh, motivation, right? But this is, this is one of those things. I, I find I do like it when, because what it does with the bad guy is it makes me it allows me to empathize with right. what he's trying to do to get to the other side of this insurmountable thing. The fact that he chose to break in to steal stuff to do some harm, notwithstanding, now he has to get out. And is there a way I can empathize with him on his way out? Right. Hmm. right I don't know. Yeah. Was that a leading question, Tom? Like, do you have? No, I just I I like it. It's kind of like um, Michael Mann's Heat. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see the other side of it or the town. I mean, I just, I like it when we really dig into the people that are the enemies, the criminals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, And we are seeing maybe why they're doing that. And that leaves a vacuum for me sometimes in movies like the strangers. I don't know. I like it both ways because the strangers, there's just nothing because you're home. The only thing you know about them is one of them has a breathing problem. (laughs) <laughs> uh like that's right. that, that's like there's the this fascinating little insight that you get there's something also very interesting about that too i just i like i am always interested by filmmakers choices of whether or not to dive into that part or right. just have them be the other looking at all of these movies what kind of bad guy do you think is most effective do you think it's somebody with more of a personal vendetta do you think it's someone who plays more violently as opposed to someone who plays more psychological games is it somebody who's more nihilistic like in funny games uh which which of these antagonists worked the best for you and why good question Pete, I'd have to think about it. Oh, I got. I, oh, you got I it. I got one. Uh, okay, I got one. Yeah, and it's a movie we haven't talked about too much, but I know it's one that Bride hurt, of Chucky that hurt Ray nope. a lot. Bride <laughs> of Chucky. Oh. Yeah, uh, it was the original Inside from 2007. That's another. That's a, a French film, and it's about a woman uh, who she's in the car with her husband. She's pregnant. She's about six months pregnant, I think, five six months pregnant, and she's in a head-on car crash. Very abrupt early in the movie. Her husband dies and she is left. The baby survives. Her unborn child survives. And the next thing is, you know, she's at the doctor and it's the night before she's going to deliver that baby. And it's going to be induced the following day. And she goes home that night and um, she is met with a, a malevolent force. Another woman is starts to kind of terrorize her from outside the house, eventually comes inside the house. And another woman. Yeah. That's it. And and the woman is a horrifying individual who is there to steal the unborn baby from our soon to be new mother. Now, that's a movie where we don't get a lot of background on our attacker until the very end when you when it is revealed that the attacker was in the other car (gasps) and, and was pregnant 
and lost her baby. And uh, oh, it is, wow. I, I think of the, all the movies on this list, Inside is the most gory. Uh, it's oh, certain, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, at, at one point, there's a very brief sort of fever dream, anxiety dream in our new mom early in the film where she actually imagines giving birth through her mouth. And just yeah. that effect is horrible to watch but it just goes from there the 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 biggest so so that's the thing you look at like what they give us from the other side suddenly i i've hated this attacker for the entire duration of the movie and suddenly i i don't support it but i get it i get how she mm -hmm. got to that point of of like being so emotionally broken that she decided this is a thing i have to do she killed my baby i should get hers isn't that fair Right. That's what the movie is trying to say. So I don't know, Ray, is, am, am I on the right track? You saw it. No, I mean, yeah, I, I, that was the most effective movie of the ones that I saw. Uh, and for me, I think what really hit home is the fact that the common theme with an invasion movie is, of course, that you're in your home. It's the place where you are probably your most vulnerable self. And it's magnified in inside. Because not only are we at home, but we're dealing with a pregnant mother. We're dealing with a baby in the womb is in danger. And the womb is like the home within the home, for lack of a better oh, phrase. Yeah. It's like the most safe place you could possibly imagine. And now there's a woman scraping scissors along this pregnant woman's belly and giving me all kinds of chills down the spine that make me <laughs> think I'm going to have a stroke or something. But it, it is an extremely effective movie, probably the most effective movie of the ones that I watched. I, I, having watched all of them, I can say that's the one that, that has stuck with me the most. The downside of that movie, and I sent, <laughs> Tom, I, this is what I sent you. There is, every time there's some baby in danger moment, they cut away to an in utero shot of a uh, CG yeah. baby that is like moving its hands around, floating in amniotic fluid and like dust bunnies. And it's, it doesn't, that, that is, that really takes away from the movie. And I will say, <laughs> Uh, the movie was up was uh, remade again, another remake uh, inside in 2000, uh, I don't know, 16, maybe. Um, and they, as you might expect, fundamentally broke the movie, especially at the end. But they did upgrade it by getting rid of the CG baby. There is no in utero shot in Smart. every other way. That movie is worse than the original. <laughs> That would have been cool if they cut to the baby and the baby was putting his shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> Even the baby's ready. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I feel like that it was that was my answer to the question for effective villain. And before I, we side rail too far, Tom, did you think of one? Yeah, I go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I think maybe mine is The Strangers. Mm -hmm. It's going against what I said about the... Um, relatable bad guys but the mm -hmm. fact that they're also wearing masks it's that jason Voorhees. there's no um eyes mm -hmm. you can't relate to the person they're just a machine of malevolence yeah, to right. use your phrase and so there's no reasoning there's no anything it's just a chase and it's just hiding and all of that and you don't understand why and then when you do really ask why it's so dumb i mean it's just like i don't know it's Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. You were home. You right. answered the door. Right. That's all it took. 
and they're then they get in their truck and they take a, a pamphlet and they go on to probably the next house. There's just no reasoning with that kind of a thing. Yeah, right. And I and I think that's what for me I I get what the social experiment is. I get what the commentary is, and also I don't think that that makes for a sustainably good set of movies. Like it has right. to be a pretty special movie to pull that off in a way that feels rewarding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unmotivated reward is not. I I don't I don't really attune to that. Um, I I I want to talk about the last houses on the left. Mm. Do, have you guys okay. seen both of them? No, I've yeah. just seen the first one. Okay, so Ray's seen them both. Tom's seen the first one. These are kind of classics in the genre. Like the first one was, I've, oh, I, yeah. I had never seen the first Last House on the Left. And all I had heard was, oh, it's, ugh, it's rough. And, and now I've seen it and I totally get why it's rough. And it's like, I don't know that it's for the same reason that everybody else does. It's a bad movie. It's a <laughs> it's a terrible movie. Is it his a, first movie? I don't know. It was close to first if it wasn't yeah. first. Oh, we're talking about we're talking about Wes Craven. Wes Craven. It looks like yeah, the first yeah. movie ever made. Yeah. <laughs> there was cowboy shooting at camera and then this movie. <laughs> yeah. Looks like first movie. Wow. Yeah. It's a bad it's a bad movie. It does have it, it is punctuated by horrible things that people do to each other. In this case, there's a prolonged kind of rape sequence uh, in the woods. And I think that's what people are talking about um, in, you know, when they say, oh, it's rough. Like, I, am I misunderstanding what no. how you guys see that movie? It's it's like, yeah, I mean, softcore like porn. <laughs> OK, well, there you go. It's because softcore porn vibe with the murder. But, oh, now you're just making me look like a creep. <laughs> No, I I struggle with it because I, it first it's hard to watch just even from the beginning. What the care? Yeah. It, it these aren't. It's not a well performed movie. It's it is a oh, no. It's a B grade movie for sure. And I expected something I didn't get out of this movie, and that was the surprise to me. What I like about it is that it does already even in seventy whenever too, uh, subverts yeah, yeah. the expectation of of terror right the bad guys who we believe are the bad guys going the whole way through um you know that they end up so they they rape and kill these two young women then they end up breaking down and they go find help at a house it would be the last house on the left and they're invited in and the two people who are living there are talking about how they're about to have the birthday party for their daughter when she gets back with the car. And the killers learn that, in fact, they are in the home of the parents of one of the girls they just killed. Ugh, if I had a nickel. Ugh. Then it becomes a parental revenge horror movie, and I am down for it. There is <laughs> something about this movie. And, and I think the remake, which was better, that it just it is so titillating once we get to the part where the parents start unleashing and yeah it is absurd and amazing and i'm here for it uh (laughs) your thoughts on on this one and how it works as a invasion horror the only thing that i didn't care for in that one were the this the goofy scenes with the inept cops (laughs) were the only thing because it was i totally forgot my god ray you're right jackie gleason might have been uh in this role 
it was uh, they put him on the roof of that truck and watched the cops roll off the truck and the woman laughing. I mean, it was a Smokey and the Bandit movie, if I've ever seen it. <laughs> but uh, I mean, apart from that, uh, this was a movie that uh, pulled me in emotionally, uh, just with the girls and the parents. And it feels a little dated because of the home decor and the clothing and stuff. But as far as the attitudes and the, the acts that go on, I think that it stays current. Uh, I think the big moral of the story is just be careful who you buy weed from. Yeah. Right. No drugs, man, (laughs) drugs, go to a dispensary. It's all about the legal dispensaries. anyway. Yes, that's that's the next home invasion is dispensary invasion. Um, <laughs> I, I think the sequel um, does, uh, you know, it's just a better made film. You know, one of the, the significant differences is that one of the girls, the daughter actually survives and is able to get herself right. back up to the house. And that's how they sort of the parents start figuring out that, uh, in fact, you know, these guys might be the bad guys. It sort of un, un, starts to unravel the the mystery. And there is something, I mean, I'm just, Tony, Tony Goldwyn is the dad and he's a surgeon. And the final sequence where the, the principal bad guy, uh, who's played by Garrett Dillahunt, fantastically. Yes. Uh, yes. So good. Um, he actually, uh, he wakes up, his eyes open in POV and he says, well, I can't feel my body. And Surgeon Tony Goldwyn says, oh, sorry, I uh, didn't have any duct tape or rope. So I just he holds up a scalpel paralyzed you from the neck down. And then he Uh. proceeds to stick his head in the microwave and and turn it on. It's really, really fantastic. Like it's just in terms of of the thing that satisfies that dopamine push for me as dad, that is Mm. perfect. Like things happen to my kids and I can imagine going there. I can just I can imagine going to those places. That movie really celebrates the darker part of me. <laughs> you know, when it, the last time that I watched the remake, I was like shocked to recognize the girl amongst the troop of bad guys was Ricky Lindholm of Garfunkel and Oates. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The other, you know, the other one that jumps out, and I think it's because we're also on over on the next reel, we're doing this Mission Impossible series. And I have two movies that I watch back to back. Mission Impossible 3, the J.J. Abrams reboot, and The Last mm-hmm. House on the Left that star a young Aaron Paul as a side character from uh, huh. Breaking Bad. And it was uh, it was really cool to see him in this movie. And abs- with those two movies together, I know how he landed Breaking Bad. Like, this is his, <laughs> this is his sweet spot, uh, that particular kind of character. So, so. Uh, so that's where we go from... Uh, we, I think we've talked about, my goodness, we've mentioned almost everything except for The Collector, we mentioned the collector, the Home Alone. Uh, this is the home invasion gone wrong, where we end up with the jewel thief breaking in and the collector malevolent force unmotivated again. So now we have all the things going on in the collector, right? Mm-hmm. Empathy for the, for one of the bad guys. Uh, we have the a killer who's totally unmotivated and a nihilist, right? Like, I don't think we ever get any any education no. on the collector that he's there for any reason other than just being bad. 
But no. we, we have empathy for our, our principal bad guy because he's there to steal jewels to save his kid, right? For there's something, family, family. And <laughs> also Home Alone. Like it is yeah. this, I am gleeful with traps in this movie. Like I, I do, like as much as I don't care for a lot of the movie itself, like the overall tone, I kind of low-key love all the traps. It, it, def- yeah. it satisfied my cube, my love of cube. Yep. <laughs> it <laughs> it is though you can't stop to think about it no don't like how much what's the point how much time did he spend like <laughs> that golf club <laughs> he, he tied a golf club to the entire house and it traps you and sends you up. It's like, who? Like, I bet he's just sort of like, oh, please pick up the phone. Please pick up that dish. Uh, there's so much work. It's insane. That's the part yeah, that is so days. comical. Like, yeah, days. Like, he just, it wasn't our our main man just there earlier that afternoon? Yes, <laughs> when did he have time to do this? Yeah. I think everything was already hooked up and then he just added knives. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the family just liked traps or something. No. The film is not good. I like that lead actor a lot. I watched him from the TV show Dirt. I don't think I think I'm the only person that's ever heard of that show. Is that Josh? It's got Stewart? one really great what's that? Josh Stewart. Josh Stewart. It's got one really great shot of when the lightning hits and it briefly reveals un to us, not to him, the mesh of like razor wire mm. that's in that one hallway. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really great shot. Otherwise, it is a gross, gross movie. The last one that I just added to the list this morning, I don't know if you had time to watch it, Tom Ray, and I've been talking about it this morning, is The Lonely Villa. Right. You mentioned that. No, I don't know what that is. And that doesn't sound like a real movie. <laughs> well, it, in the in the spirit of Ray's, uh, you know, first Frankenstein movie, uh, sure. I did find this is reportedly the first home invasion movie, 1909, D.W. Griffith. And it is um, it, it's a it. I don't know. Ray, what's your take on it? it it's it's a short 12 minute movie and it's. Uh... It shows this family, a husband and a wife, and they have three girls, I think. That were all the model for Megan. (laughs) They're all the the Megan. Yeah, Yeah. and they're inside living it up, you know, and outside there are three nefarious fellas in uh, old time newsboy caps that are like, (laughs) we're going to wait for them to leave and then we're going to go inside. And then the the dad leaves. And, they they trick uh, him. That was an interesting thing. They trick him. They send one of the guys right, as right. a messenger up to the door, and they give him a message. He's like, "Well, better get my coat. I've got to go downtown and make a phone call." And he gets in his car <laughs> and takes off and leaves the mom and three uh, defenseless girls. But while this was the interesting thing, though, while the bad guy was in there giving the message, dad says, "I'm leaving you alone, so you'd better take my gun." and hands oh. them a revolver, puts a revolver on the table. While all their backs are turned, the bad guy picks up the gun, opens up the cartridge, shakes all the bullets out, puts the bullets in his pocket, and then puts the gun back on the table. We have oh. Chekhov's table gun that is completely <laughs> unarmed. Uh, yep. So anyway, I'm sorry, Ray, I interrupted. I thought that no, was no, no, no. a bit of trope. You're fine. And so dad goes and he does his thing and... The the bad guys all break in to the house 
and uh, they knock on the door and mom and the girls get scared and uh, they realize that these guys have ill intentions. So they hide like in the dining room and the guys trying to get in. And that's when they realize that the bullets are missing from the gun. And meanwhile, husband makes it to his destination. And I just want to say that was the funniest part of the movie to me because he pulls up in his car. It's 1909. And there are these guys that just run up to his car and start looking under the hood like, one of them yeah. newfangled automobiles. Hey, He's trying to crank the thing this. on it, right? The handle. Yeah. It's like, I, I just paid all my life's savings for this thing and you people are just poking and prodding all the belts and whistles. anyway <laughs> he doesn't seem to have a problem with it mostly because he's distracted by the fact that he was in the long distance telephone store like it was there's a sign hanging up that says long distance <laughs> telephone here and he goes in to make and he calls his wife and and she, by now the three uh bad guys are breaking into the home and she wait says, he went there to call his wife I assumed that he went there and found out that there wasn't actually a call yeah. for him. Ah, like he had home. received the message for. God, so he so, called. Yeah. And then he races home to save them. And you know what sucked? Living in 1903. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> well, this is what's interesting about this movie is that this movie sets up like from here on out, sets yeah. up so many of the tropes that we are still playing with once again, like there is, there's nothing new under the sun. So we have the isolate building isolation. We have yep. the uh, neutering the protection of our, uh, of our victims, right? Take the bullets out of the gun. They uh, put the, all of the furniture, they put all the furniture up against the door and to block the door while the guys have crowbars, they're trying to get in and steal stuff. Uh, and um, and so it, it just suddenly builds to this massive climax where the guys get in and they start throwing people around and you have this like victimization of the mom where the guy like bends her over and restrains her in his arms and reaches for her neck and you realize he's pulling for the, the brooch around her neck, like the jewel, and rip that off but you can totally see how it eventually turns into a rape sequence like it all of that ends up being uh huh. really illustrative of the kind of violent thoughts that that we were exhibiting on film even in 1909 like that that yeah. is that was a, a a big lesson like we've been making we've been making funny games since 1909 <laughs> Right. Like that's really that's the interesting thing to me. I don't know. What else did we miss uh, in terms of movies that should have been on the list? We mentioned Panic Room. We've talked about Panic Room on the show uh, on the next reel before. And also, it's not quite a horror. No movie. Thriller. Purge. Yeah. Purge is another interesting one to put on the list. And I went through a purge bender when I first fell in love with horror movies again. That probably could have been on the list. Uh, People Under the Stairs uh, is one of the Home Invasion Gone Wrong movies where, and I've never seen it, but apparently the story is people break into this, break into a home, and it turns out the people in the home are vastly worse than they are. And yes. <laughs> uh, so I'm excited to add that one to the list. I Did you learn anything new about yourselves? I, I, I've learned that my home is very weakly protected. It's rough. It's rough. Rough going. I bought another bat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I learned that I didn't know that I needed this, but I need some sort 
in order for it to be a, a satisfying situation, it can't just be nihilistic. Yeah. I need some sort of revenge, something like that. Yeah. Not with the strangers for some reason, but really kidnapped and funny games. Like it just sort of leaves you wanting to punch something. Yeah. Because that you can't it. get at the it's people empty. that did all the horrible things. Exactly. Yeah. It's empty. And it's why movies like uh, Inside and Last House on the Left. Uh, and, it, you know, these are the movies where you actually get to see some redemption uh, in, right. or some vindication, not even redemption, vindication. And that's the satisfying thing for me is, is, the, is the vindication that comes at the end. It's why your next actually works better for me, um, uh, even as it's got a bit of its own rug pull ending. I, I, those are important elements. But for me, hands down, Inside and Kidnapped were my favorite movies of this series that contained some very high highs and some very low lows in this (laughs) this series, but it was a lot of fun. This has been super fun, you guys. I I really, I I, I almost hate to say it, I've enjoyed this walk down Home Invasion Lane, and uh, I appreciate you going on it with me. Next month, we are going to be, uh, we're going to go back to a little bit of classic, uh, classic Ray, classic monsters. Uh, We're talking about The Fly. That's coming up next month. Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. Thanks for taking the walk with us. You can find the show in the show notes. Scroll up. I've got the link to the Letterboxd uh, uh, list where you can see all the movies that we have talked about on this show. I've been putting together Letterboxd lists for all of the collections of movies that go along with Sitting in the Dark. So uh, hopefully you'll be able to find those very easily. And Tommy's, uh, I think there were 67 movies on your last one. So uh, we've got them all. We've got them all cataloged there in the show notes. So check it out. Uh, And uh, thanks for riding along with us. We appreciate you. And thank you, Ray and Tom, for hanging out with me in my very vulnerable uh, state. It was a pleasure. Thanks for inviting us to be a part of it. We'll see you next time right here with the fly on Sing in the Dark. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.